Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. I've got a, a new panel tonight, a new panel of guests, uh, one who you'll recognise and three new faces. So first of all, a big welcome to Sav, who was with us on Friday night with me and Neil and Steve. And of course, Ian Mearns, who joins us every now and then on Friday. Sav, have you recovered from your, your debut on Friday? Just about, just about. It was a good, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, it's good to have you back on, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us, uh, you know, each week with a with a different panel. And um, you know, looking forward to tonight for for one reason because we have an all female panel, and it's something which is which is a little bit different. Sab, I want to ask you first though. Um, a lot of a lot of noise on on Twitter today from certain, uh, you know, I would say well known fans and uh, well known reporters. We've had Ben Jacobs and Luke Edwards in particular putting stuff out there today about the, the takeover. Um, we're now going to get inundated with this, of course, because yeah. we've got no football. We're not getting football now until the 12th of September. Um, what was What's your take on what we've seen today? Do you know, I've only had a really quick read for it because obviously I've been at work today. But from what I can see and from what I don't think there's any noise really coming out. And sometimes I've worked in um, with a newspaper. Sometimes you've got to fill pages with things and this is how I feel about it sometimes because you either get the really positive like it was it's imminent and then suddenly it'll swing back and there'll be all these problems and it will go really in depth with it but it will chop and change and sometimes I do think it's just to fill columns that's my feeling on it anyway yeah good stuff Katie welcome to the show um a little bit about yourself first of all um Newcastle United how long have you how long have you had to put up with the misery um since 86 Wow, it, it's, yeah. So I mean, yeah. How did you know? You know, what was your first game? You, you know, your your favorite players, etc. Uh, well, favorite players, Shiva. Yeah, I'm, like obsessed with him. When I was younger, I was marrying him and everything. I didn't care about <laughs> he was going to marry me. I was convinced by it. Um yeah. First game was at St James's Park. Played West Brom. Shiva bad too. So that was quite good. Um, probably say second would be uh, Nobby. I don't think we've seen anyone as good as, uh, as Nobby since then. Yeah. But originally from the North East, now living in Blackpool, so surrounded by Manchester United and Liverpool fans, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I mean, so take over. Where do you stand on that? I'm so fed up of it. It's untrue. I literally, everything I read, I don't believe anything anymore. I'm at the point now where I'm fed up with reading about it. It needs to happen. If it doesn't happen, we're going into the championship. It's just an absolute nightmare. We just need a decision, like everyone keeps on saying, but I don't think we're going to get one anytime soon. Fair enough. Uh, and last thing, season gone. Um, was that a success, do you think? Yeah, for everyone else but us. Um, I just, I didn't like it at all. Um, I didn't think we connected. We didn't play as a team at all. It was boring, dull football. It was just we were we are unbelievably lucky to not be relegated, and we're only not relegated because there's other teams that were played a hell of a lot worse than us. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Kendall, good evening. Hello. Nice to have you on. A uh, little bit about yourself. First Newcastle game. First hero. Well, I'm 25 now, so I've been supporting Liberty Newcastle all my life. Like, I wouldn't, I literally wouldn't be allowed to support anyone else, to be honest. If it was up to my dad and my granddad, 
Um, I'm a only girl in a team for like a team. Um, family full of men. So I just sort of followed them. <laughs> and my first game was I think it my first ever game, but I don't remember it clearly. Was I think we played Benfica in maybe the Europa League. Um, and this I don't remember it because I was really young. Um, but I just remember going because I've still got the tickets now. Like I save all of the tickets for all the different games that I've went to in the past before I had a season ticket. Um, the first game I actually physically remember was Alan Shearer's testimonial. And from the season after that, I've had a season ticket since then. So it's coming up. This is my 14th year of having a season ticket now. So, um, yeah, bit of, it's, I've seen some ups and downs, let's put it that way. Great game though, Shearer's testimonial. I was there. Fantastic, was. fantastic game to be at. Um, what a game that that was the first one you can remember. NUFC takeover dealing. It's uh, been dragging on now since January since uh, some boffins sat at home and found the uh, the fact the company's house had made a few changes. And you know we've been through this you know, maelstrom now for the last four months. How how's it been for you? And what's your take on it? I just at, at the beginning, like honestly, they could have said anything and I would have believed it because like we just like that. It's like the the hope with us as Newcastle fans. You just take it on board, even though you're always constantly let down. Like. I would have just believed it. But then obviously the article came out the other day, I think it was Ben Jacobs who said, oh, Messi's first on the list to sign. I was just thinking, like, I, I, do, I actually don't know if it's now like now a joke. Like, I, yeah. honestly, I don't know if it's just like a four-month-long wind-up because you're either, it's either extremely positive or it's not happening that day, game over, like, it's never happening again. And I'm just sick of it. I think, like, everybody else is, to be honest. There's only so much more news that can come out. It's meant to be a confidential agreement. If the confidentiality is broken, then it can't go through. And like there's people like Luke Edwards, for example, and the Telegraph who have suddenly got all this confidential information. Um, so I don't really understand how this can be like news. I sometimes think like no news is good news because then obviously yeah. it's not rejected. <laughs> But I'm just honestly at, at the moment, just with everything coming out, you don't know what to believe. And I do, I agree with Katie. I honestly don't think there's going to be a decision anytime soon, which completely yeah. leaves us in limbo for the transfer window. And yeah, the start of the season, which is literally in seven weeks. I think you're right, 100%. And with regard to this season gone, um, you know, we know that we lost Rafa. Steve Bruce came in and it wasn't a, a managerial appointment that was greeted with, with a lot of excitement. Um, a lot of us expected a relegation battle this season, but we managed to stay up with with plenty of games to spare. Was was it a success? You know, with with everything that was going on around the club. If you want, yeah, I was going to say if like the reality of the club, it's a success for us in the in the sort of climate that we're in at the moment. Um, but as a club in general, where we should be, where we want to be as a club, it's not really a success. I mean, we're thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth every single year. Um, Pretty much. So, I mean, yes, it's a success because you're, you're, you're stable, in a sense, which is sort of all right. But you want to progress. You don't want to be looking for 13th every year. But um, I think he's definitely sort of exceeded a lot of expectations, including mine. Because um, I think I did tweet when he got the job saying, oh, that's it, relegated by Christmas. That was it. Like, honestly, I like truly thought, about, thought that. Um, so he has obviously exceeded a lot of expectations, but he hasn't really took us to where we'd like to be yeah thanks for that uh, kendall samantha good evening good evening thanks for coming on uh first of all just a little bit about your newcastle united uh 
supporting days. What was your first game? Who were your first uh, heroes at the club? Yeah, uh, so a little bit different for me. I live in Northern Ireland in Belfast, so getting over to games is a little bit of a challenge. Um, first game I went to see, we beat Everton 2-1. I think that was early 2000s. Um, very much like everyone else, Shearer was um, kind of my idol. Absolutely loved him, loved Nobby as well, and had a soft spot for Nico Stabizas. Um, so, yeah, um, probably the best game that I went to actually was one of the championship games where we beat Blackpool 4-1, and the atmosphere and the ground was just fantastic that day. Yeah, great stuff. It's always great to hear people's, you know, first games and favourite games and, and favourite players. And Shira and Nobby Solano, uh, you know, certainly up there with, uh, with the very best. So, same questions for you, just with regards to the takeover, first of all. Obviously, living across in, in Ireland, you don't have the saturation, I imagine, of, 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 of an evening chronicle in your hand. But um, you're following it as avidly as we are online and, and of course, on Twitter. Um, what, what's your take being on it? Um, same as, as the girls had said, you know, I was convinced when the story broke that, you know, it was only a matter of time. I think it will go through. I think, you know, the term geopolitical has been used a lot. I think that the Premier League are going to wring every single penny that they can out of it and every decision that they want in their favour. I think, interestingly, at the minute, there's been talk that the deal isn't structured in the way that they would like it to be. And potentially they would like to see maybe the Rubin brothers or Amanda Stavley having more ownership um, in terms of their percentage. I do see it happening. I just think it's really going to do harm to the club the longer they leave it. You know, a, a balance of £35 million for a transfer kitty isn't enough to, to stand still with other clubs investing, never mind move forward. So um, I think it's a really dangerous situation with a... A very average coach. Yeah, obviously this season, you know, we have stayed up, and you know, there's. I've made a few stats public on on the you know the last couple of night shows. I mean, and and I know Supermax talked about it as well. Thirty eight games, thirty eight goals. If you take away two of those games in particular, that takes off seven goals, and I think that's thirty one goals in thirty six games. It's clear that we we've, we've struggled in that department, but. Somehow we've managed to stay up and we stayed up with games to spare. So is it a success, Samantha, or, is, or you know, did you expect a bit more? You always have to be thankful to stay in the league, but it's it's not enough. You know, we can't. A Premier League football club doesn't play the game within their own half. Um, we we spent any million pounds on forward players who you know have to come to the eighteen yard box to get the ball to try and build an attack. So. You know, staying in the league is good, but the quality of football is not good enough. And, and the p picture for the future in terms of players coming through and getting those chances is bleak. Yeah, very bleak indeed. And uh, obviously, we're getting inundated with messages and uh, a lot of a lot of people having this day. Uh, Forty says the whole process has been far from confidential. They've given more time to people who are against the takeover. They don't give a about people who want the takeover to happen, which is which is a fair comment. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have said, and I've put out a long a long winded tweet tonight, just essentially trying to express where I'm at. A lot of people have been asking about, you know, am I confident? I've been confident from the start. Um, I don't believe that, you know, this, this group of people uh, would have gone into this particular deal without you know, 
getting everything in place and you know the, you know looking at the potential pitfalls and I do believe it will go through I agree with Samantha um but it's, it's such a it's going to be such a long process and I, I do feel that that's that's where we're at now that this is going to drag on through the summer and of course the transfer window is open um and and you know we we are going to be standing still sav the you know the transfer budget that Samantha's talking about there is is one that's been well reported by the media now 35 million and, and of course, Steve Bruce on Friday, um, you know, essentially said that 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 was the, that was the figure which had been agreed. However, it might need to be revised because the season ticket money isn't coming in. So, you know, it could actually be less than thirty-five million. And I mean, with clubs coming up from the championship, no doubt be spending, you know, six-figure sums. You know, maybe a hundred million pounds. You know, uh, you know, to, to try and stay in the Premier League is thirty-five million enough for, for Newcastle to be spending this summer. Well, no, it's not really. I think we need a whole sort of squad rehaul, to be fair. Um, and unless we sell some better players, we're not going to have the money to sort of revamp the squad. So it'll look like if we only have sort of budget that we'll be going with a similar sort of level squad for next season. But then again, we haven't had a lot more than that to spend previous seasons. So is it going to be same old, same old for next season? Probably, if nothing else happens. I don't think it's fair that we've been left in this sort of limbo. Yeah, I mean, Dan Mills made the point there. For me, the Premier League's not protecting one of its own clubs. We seem to be on repeat again. The takeover is off today. Then tomorrow will be linked to Ronaldo, Messi, etc., which is exactly what you said, Kendall. We've been linked with big-name players. And, you know, then the next day, it, it, it's off. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it's mental torture, really, for Newcastle fans. It is, yeah. And then they had the cheek to put that absolute torn death tweet out earlier on about like, oh, they've partnered with mental health matters and things like that. And then they just literally dragging all the fans, like all the Newcastle fans through the mud with this whole thing. And I just think like that he is right. What you're saying there, Dan Milne's obviously right. Like they're not protecting their own, one of their clubs. They haven't got, obviously I know it's a legal process. That's, that's what it is. But, and we can't like obviously sort of influence that any other way. But, at the same time, as I mentioned as well, like they've got to consider that we're now in the transfer window. We're only seven weeks away from the start of, ne of next season. Um, with And we're stuck in limbo again. I mean, as a club, as fans. So I just, it's just a bit of a nightmare, really. It's a total nightmare situation. It is, yeah. And I mean, Katie, you know, as, as I said, £35 million. I mean, we spent £40 million on Joe Linton last summer. I mean, you know, what, what do we expect to get for that? We bid for a, a midfielder in January and it was clear we needed a striker and we bid £37 million allegedly for him. Yet that person decided to knock us back. I mean, it's not going to buy someone's right boot, is it? No, but we're basically going to be shopping players that are in the Championship have been relegated. So what's that going to do for next season? We're basically going to have a team of players that are perfect for the championship, not for the Prem at all. Yeah. There's no way we can get anyone with that money. Yeah. And as you say, there'll be people coming up as well, Katie, who will be spending vast amounts of money just to steal. Yeah, you've got, you've got all of them. Literally, you'll have the ones fighting to get back in. The ones fighting to prove themselves that they've made it in, they're literally going to be throwing money left, right, and centre, and we're literally going to be sat there watching, waiting, and it's just like, what do we do now? And it's going to be repeating itself. 
So they need they need to come out and say something. They need to just say something to us because they're not saying anything. And even if they just come out tomorrow, as long as they don't say imminently or shortly and give us some kind of actual update, it would probably help us out a lot more. Yeah. Is that something you'd like to hear, Samantha? You know, just something from the Premier League to say, look, the process is ongoing and, you know, from our perspective, we can't say anything more than that. But, you know, just to put Newcastle's mind, you know, Newcastle fans' minds at rest. I think for me, I mean, they could, but is it is it going to change opinion that they acknowledge that it's ongoing? Um, probably not. Um, we, we need a timeline or... You know, we need some kind of an understanding if it's if it is going to be approved, but it will take time. And in that case, those conversations need to take place with the owners, the new owners and Ashley around um, the fact that, you know, maybe he needs to release a little bit more money that they will then pay back. There, there has to be something that changes in the next few weeks if the deal is going to be approved. Um, I understand the financial pressures from the economy at the minute. But um, if Ashley's going to continue to be owner, he's going to jeopardise his asset again, which he's done on two previous occasions, and he will lose money. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm bored of this sticker twist game that he seems to play. I don't think it's needed again. And I, I think there needs to be a serious conversation about how we can move the club forward, even in the case that the takeover takes a little bit longer. Sav, uh, Christopher mentions here that, um, you know, he, he obviously sees Luke and Jason's articles on the Telegraph. And one of the main sticking points, according to them, is that, you know, it's the role of Mohammed Bill Salman casting a shadow over PIF. There's also mention of another guy who is, is involved with PIF who, you know, again, the Premier League are questioning his involvement or what his involvement would be with the football club. Now, you, you would think that that kind of issue and you know, submitting paperwork with names on would be something at the start of the process, wouldn't you? And saying this is who is going to be working at the football club, you would expect that you would expect the Premier League to, you know, to get that sorted out straight away and not at the end of the process. Yeah, this is exactly what I was saying earlier. When you work sort of in the press, you have to fill the columns. And obviously the Premier League finished yesterday. They know that they'll get a reaction from the Newcastle fans. You know, they know that they want that. And I've read so many, like, with the messy, you know, sort of rumours and then suddenly it's off. And I think that's what it is. It, they have you on a line. They've got to fill their columns and they've got to put something out there. So it's it's all over the place with the news. I don't believe anything that I read because I know how they work. So it's... You know, they'll just put whatever people will read and whatever they, you know, everyone who will click on it, that just gives them more response and more reaction. So they'll go with that. Yeah, because the written press, of course, now newspapers don't sell like they used to. It's all about no. online and all about advertising, and, and that's how they make the money. Um, they can print, sorry, if they can print a controversial sort of, you know, article that they know they will get a reaction from, they will do it. Yeah, 100%. Question there essentially about Kevin Keegan. So I'll put this to all of you. Katie, I'll start with you on this one. Um, Kevin Keegan, obviously big man, you know, big man, big name at the club. Came as a player in 82 to 84, got us promoted almost single-handedly with uh, Waddle and Beardsley. And then came back, of course, uh, as a manager uh, after seven years on the golf course and turned the club around and made us the entertainers. Uh, somebody who loves the club, uh, someone who did come back under Mike Ashley but was treated horrendously. 
uh, and eventually ended up being pushed out of the club and then won his legal case. Would you have him back in some capacity, uh, you know, if the takeover goes through? And if, if so, what would you like to see him do? Oh, I'd definitely have him back. I'd have him back to do anything, literally. Just the, the whole sense of him that just makes everybody feel like a sense of pride. And I think the whole King Kev is basically exactly what he is. Um, I don't think I'd have him as a manager. Um, personally, I think that we need to move a little bit um, further forward with it. But could you imagine that if he actually came back and came back as a manager and turned us completely around, how good that would be? Like, literally, that would be one of the best stories ever. Um, he's, lit he's one of the nicest person I've ever met. I, I used to go and watch them at Chesley Street um, training and he literally has the time there for everyone. I'd absolutely love him to come back. I'm just not sure what has, to be fair. Yeah. Kendall, same question to you. Kevin Keegan, would you like to see him back at Newcastle United in some capacity? Yeah, definitely. As Katie said, I would have him back in like sort of any capacity. Same as her, though. I wouldn't like have him as a manager, I don't think. I would even just have him, you know, as like a supermac, like a club ambassador or anything like that. Because I do think that he like speaks to the fans. He's someone that even no matter who you are, you resonate with as a fan because pretty much, I mean, like most of us, like my age and things like that, we've seen the bad side of it as well, obviously, when he took Mike Ashley to court. So I would love it if he brought him back and it was just like a big finger and Mike Ashley, like, like, look what this could have been if you hadn't, like, you know, messed him around and caused the trouble that you had with him in the beginning. And if, obviously, there is going to be a takeover for the new owners to bring him on board would be a great, already a great first thing to do with the fans and they would already get off on the right foot so I think it would be a great thing to do definitely Before I come to you Sam just want to congratulate Jurgen Klopp he's been named League Manager Association Manager of the Year I don't think anybody can argue with that uh, unlucky Steve Bruce uh, that's all I've got to say uh, Samantha um, to you Kevin Keegan uh, who was a great manager would you like to see him back at the club in some capacity? Absolutely. Uh, same sentiments as Kerry and Kendall. I mean, he, he should be in as an ambassador. Um, so many of the, the greats and the passionate people that support the club have been alienated that um, we need to kind of rebuild the brand and, and get that passion back again. And I would certainly have him back in a heartbeat. Sav, same to you. Yeah, completely. I mean, you know, he was with like he was in the glory years when we was doing really well. And then I felt that his second stint was really sad because it was so tarnished by sort of Ashley's overbearing. And then, you know, I read an article where he sneaked into the ground in disguise, you know, <laughs> and it's just, it is really quite, you know, I'd have him back in a heartbeat. Yeah, good stuff. Peter Robson asks a question to, uh, to you all. He says, what can be done to get ladies football a higher profile? Personally, I love all football and we need to see it more on our television. Uh, Sav, start with it. Start this one with you. What what can be done to get ladies football a higher profile? Do you think it's already it's already come from you know from from the doldrums? I remember being you know being on a program on ITV about twenty five years ago, uh, sitting next to the lady ladies football team, which eventually did become Newcastle United Football Club's team. Uh, they were called Cowgate Castle, and I think they used to get a crowd of about six or seven. And uh, I, I've still I dug out this video the other day. And I was actually supportive of women's football at that time. And I said, I think it'll be, you know, as big as the man's game. I said, it'll take some time. And people were laughing at us in the audience and sitting alongside a couple of guys who were just thinking I was off my rocker. But I, I proved to be right. And 
But it still needs a bit of a boost, doesn't it? What can be done, do you think? I mean, yeah, it has come an awful long way from where it used to be. But I think there needs to be sort of a change in the times. It's like Formula One. You don't have any female Formula One drivers. And, you know, I think football's ahead of that, to be honest. I mean, I don't really know. You'd have to, I don't really know how you'd change it. There needs to be a change in the view on women, for me. I mean, I'm not a feminist, but I do feel that slightly we'd still lag behind men an awful lot. And, you know, that needs to be changed. I feel that we're all equal. You know, same as fans, we're all equal. It just, it does need to be, you know, bought that way. Yeah, Samantha, is it, um, you know, do you get much chance to see any of, any coverage over there? What's it like in Ireland for, for female football? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's a little behind the times, but, um, you know, at, at grassroots level, there there is a lot more conversation around, you know, having that equality, um, making sure that, that people understand that there there's no stigma attached to wanting to play football when you're a kid. You know, I played when I was younger. Um, there were less opportunities, and I'm quite sad about that in a way. Um, I think the equality in terms of the commentary, the fact that they're trying to have more balanced panels helps. Um, the fact that they now show some matches and there's more of a conversation, um, it's more engaging. But, you know, the visibility needs to continue. Um, and kind of as Sab said, uh, you know, the, the girls need to be afforded the same respect as, as the, the men's game. Um, and that's the only way that it'll keep progressing and, and ultimately get the money behind it. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Kendall, into you, women's football. Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, as Sav said, like it's an, it, a change in attitude is needed. It's a lot of, um, obviously, like men, well, I'm not like generalising, but as we're all aware, and obviously, as we're aware in the past few days, it's been happening right in front of our eyes, that a lot of, men don't see like women's opinions in football as highly as they would other men's opinions. So I think it would take a massive change in attitude. Um, obviously a lot more, if it was more vis visible and a lot, maybe as if like, you know, Premier League players, like m Premier League men's players sort of um, promoted it a bit more or it was promoted on the mainstream a bit more, then it would help. Um as you say, it's, it's come a long way, so that's good in a sense, but we need it to be a bit more higher. Um, and obviously, it doesn't bring in the revenue that men's football does at the moment, which I would love to see change. But um, as of now, yeah, definitely needs to be a bit promoted a little bit more. Yeah, here we came to you. I, th I think it's just pretty much, it's it needs some mainstream coverage. Right, I, I wouldn't even, if it was on, I wouldn't know where to go to look at it. It needs more mainstream coverage. It needs more interaction from the people that are involved in the men's um, side, in the women's side. That's the only way it's going to change. The attitude will change maybe one day, but if needs the coverage on it, because they're good, they are good. I've, I've, I've watched a handful. Um, I, don't, I don't watch it religiously like I do with the guys, um, but it's just because it's harder to find. It just needs that mainstream coverage. You get that, you'll get more viewers, you'll get more people interested in it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, John B says, if the takeover happens, who would be the first player that you would buy? <laughs> I suppose it depends whether, and I've used this a couple of times over the last couple of days, whether we're shopping with, at Harrods or whether we're shopping, <laughs> at, shopping at Aldi. Um, yeah, I mean, 
Katie, it, over to you first on that one. You know, in a dream world, let's, you know, let's be positive. The takeover in a, goes in, a, in an absolute dream world. I'm going to completely like just annoy everyone on, and I'd get Shiva back because I'm dreaming about it. That would be my dream. <laughs> Give him some, give him some, give him some leg surgery and some CBD oil because that seems to be the mm -hmm. body. I think. I'm yeah. telling you now, he must watch our matches and be dying to get on the pitch. I'd yeah. absolutely love it. Never going to yeah. happen. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but you did say dream world, and that's my dream. He scored his last goal. He scored his last goal in a Newcastle Legends game, actually against Man United, and it was a typical Shearer finish with a typical Shearer celebration. And uh, we managed to raise fifty-four. 54,000 for his charity in that game. So it was a big, big moment for me. I didn't play in that game. That's how we managed to get a draw as well. And Ken, what about you? Dream, who would you like to see? I mean, you know, you know, if if we've got the budget, let's let's forget about 35 million. That's not going to yeah. get you much. If we've got a budget, Dream World Mbappé, that's too old. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see Mbappé in the Newcastle shirt. That would be my absolute dream. Um, if we're being a bit more realistic, I would love to sign someone like I mean, this probably doesn't seem like very like reaching for the stars, but I would like to sign someone like Danny Ings because like I think like you've you've definitely got proven goals there. Um and he's obviously very well ingrained in the Premier League, so it just depends on how realistic we're talking. Um <laughs> but yeah, I'm back for every single day. I think Danny Ings is a great shout and, and when you look at the fact that they got him for eighteen million pounds and we spent forty million on Joe Linton, it says it all, doesn't it? Uh, Samantha. Uh, ideal signing for you in the close season? Yeah, I think Danny Ings is a great shout and I've tweeted a lot about kind of our ideal striker being someone that knows the league and he's just, you know, he's so great. Um, I'd love to see us bring in John Stones. Um, I think I think we're really lacking in a spine in the team generally um, and I'd love to see us go out and, and, and sign Stones. Uh, I think he gets a lot of stick because he's in a fantastic team where he's struggling. Um, and I think that, you know, if we had the budget, someone like that would, would be good for us. Yeah, Saab, same question to you. Who would you like to see come in? Do you know, I 100% agree with Kendall and Samantha, Danny Ings. I know that's not very aspirational, but I think that he would be quite good in a Newcastle shirt, to be fair. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, we, look, we need a goal scorer. I think the most unnerving thing for me has been, you know, Steve Bruce, you know, alluding that he possibly, possibly doesn't need a goal scorer. You know, maybe he thinks Joe Linton's going to come good. Maybe he's coming in, uh, it, it, you know, in training that we don't see. But I, I really hope that that's not the case. And we're not, you know, we're not concentrating on a central midfielder. I, I think that would be an absolute an absolute mistake, a, a nightmare, you know. We discussed last night, um, discussed last night on the show, um, you know, about the players that are in, in the teams that have gone down. Of course, Norwich have been relegated, uh, Watford have gone down and Bournemouth have gone down. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Callum Wilson, um, you know, Josh King, uh, Troy Beanie, uh, Ryan Fraser, uh, you know, various players that have been mentioned. I mean, Tab, are any of those players potentially on, on your shopping list, do you think? And, and, you know, is it a good idea to buy players who've been involved in relegation? Because that's what a lot of the, the people watching the show last night were saying. Well, you know, that's, that's not really a high aspiration, signing players who, who've just been relegated. I mean, it's not a high aspiration. The one that I have noticed is um, Campwell. Um, I think that we've been linked with him. I think he could be good for us. 
Um, but apart from that, there's no one massively that I've seen that, you know, if you're trying, if you're going to get taken over and you've got a massive budget, why would you buy from teams that are being relegated? Mm. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. What about you, Sandra? Would you say any of those players that have gone down or do you think that's, you know, do, do, do you think, you, do you agree with a lot of people last night that it's not a great idea targeting players who've just been relegated? Um, no, I, I think, you know, there were different reasons that teams went down. Actually, some of the teams that went down, I feel bad because their quality of football was so much better than ours. Um, I think uh, there's a few players in Norwich, you know, Max Ahrens, Jamal Lewis, I think would do a job on our team. I think, you know, Joshua King, United, we're trying to get on the last day of the window in January. Um, you know, he had injuries Callum Wilson had injuries. I think Cantwell would, unless we're taking over, would have better options than us. So I do think there are players there. My worry is, again, if, if we don't get taken over, even if we have the budget and they're playing for Steve Bruce, I don't think it's really going to change our style much. And, you know, I, unless the money's good, it wouldn't be something I would want to do. Yeah, Kendall, any of those players that I mentioned from the teams that have been relegated today, you know, are they, are they kind of players that you would like to see at the club or do you think we should be looking at, you know, bigger and better players? I think, um, there's, like, in a team, yes, you, you've been relegated and that's obviously the team's mistakes and the manager's mistakes. But obviously, like Jack Grealish, he's, they nearly got relegated with Aston Villa and you wouldn't say he was a championship like esque player at all. So there is some standout players in some of the teams. Like for example, I think Star from Watford is I I really like the way he plays. He's like obviously when he scored against Liverpool and things like that, like I would like to see him, for example. But this as we say, this is if we we do have a thirty five million pound budget, then that's fair enough to shop in there. I mean the thing that worries me is See, I, I, I hate the Rafa Bruce, Bruce comparisons. Don't get it wrong. I absolutely hate them. I just find it annoying and regressive. But when Rafa was shopping in the bargain basement, you trusted him to make good, valuable decisions. For example, like Shah, four million. We got Dubravka for like literally a couple of million, things like that. But I don't trust Bruce in the same sense of shopping in that budget for quality. So. Obviously, if we have a thirty-five million pound budget, then fair enough. If we're shopping in the championship, then that's where we are. We can't change it. It's nothing to do with us. But yeah, I would like to hopefully not that not be the case. Katie, what about you? Any of those players that you would like to see come to the club? I mean, Cantwell has been, you know, has been mentioned. I've I've seen a few things online as well about that. Would would Cantwell, you know, would it be the kind of player would want Steve Bruce to be looking for an attacking, you know, midfielder with a bit more legs? Yeah, I think he would be good. I think he'd probably help out Niggy and say. Um, I think though he's old, though obviously he wasn't happy with that comment yesterday. Tridini would be good for um, getting some form of leadership because we haven't got any who can actually get the team to sort of have that leadership, that captain. We we Lascelles is is good at leading two people, I'd say. But we need that actual spine in the team and we don't have that. We don't have any leadership. The problem that we've got is that the little diamonds that you'll find in the teams that are relegated that we might go after, well, probably the bigger teams will go after them and they have more money than us. So... Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I had a little comment there from Darren Agnew. He said, even in the news, I always thought sport was supposed to be kept separate from politics. And I think... 
and that's a reference to obviously the takeover again. And I, I, I mean, you know, Katie, I'll start with you on this one. The, you know, the, the constant, you know, you know, publicity we've seen surrounding the takeover has has often been about BN Sports. We've seen Richard Keys obviously saying a lot about um, Newcastle United um, on, on on his broadcast. We know that there's been um, you know a lot of geopolitical um, involvement, which Samantha mentioned earlier on between Qatar and the Saudis. Um, you know, does that frustrate you in a sense that this doesn't seem to be a football issue? It seems to be a political issue, which we you know really don't know anything about, and and you know. As football fans, don't really care about because you know we're football fans. Yeah, I, I literally couldn't care less. All I want is to is to watch decent football, and that's all anyone wants. They'll bring money in, just do it. It's almost like they're scrambling for things to find wrong with it. So they're looking outside of the football area, and they're scrambling and scrambling, and they're listening to any form of noise. And it's just the case of just I don't know anything about politics. I'm not bothered about politics. I'm bothered about the pitch and what I see on the pitch. I really couldn't care less of it. But it just seems now that it's a case of, right, let's find a reason why we can make this be delayed or why we can try and stop it. Yeah, I think, uh, Kendall, it's been one thing after another. We've had various letters uh, going in. It started with Amnesty International. Then we, you know, we all had sympathy with the Kasogi situation, but then we had that. And then we had the Qataris and BN Sports and piracy. Um, it just it just seems to be ongoing, doesn't it? It just seems to be one thing after another. It almost feels, as a Newcastle fan, that, you know, somebody somewhere doesn't want this to go through because it's Newcastle yeah. United. Well, yeah, that, honestly, I, I, like, I think a lot of people can be forgiven for thinking that. And as well, I feel like a lot of, obviously, journalists who are negative about the takeover and other rival fans and things... Um, they want us as fans to be human rights experts and I don't think that's fair because that's not our area of expertise and this is where the line is being blurred because as fans we should just be excited about a takeover but we're not even given that sort of chance to be excited because there's constantly human rights issues, constantly piracy issues, constantly um, obviously with the Jamal Khashoggi thing and it's just, we can't even be excited for it because they're expecting us to have these legal opinions on these things and I don't think it's fair for us to expect us to do that as fans. Yeah, Samantha, it, it is dragging on and you mentioned it earlier on about the geopolitics. I mean, it, I've got to be honest, before this takeover started, I knew very little about the Qataris and the Saudi issue. I knew very little about it. It's not something that I watch you know, and, and, and study uh, unless it involves you know, our country on a regular basis. And, Yet it seems it's it's easier nowadays to, to sign deals for arms, you know, than it is to sign a club over to Saudi Arabia. Absolutely, you know, you look at the fact that the government have dealings with Saudi, and then you look at that being compared to the Newcastle fans' reactions to this takeover, and and we don't care, you know, we do care, but. They're completely separate issues, and the longer that the takeover rumbles on, the more opportunity it gives for these issues to come up, for letters to be written, for newspaper articles to be published. I mean, one of the, the journalists that I had to mute on Twitter was Miguel Delaney because, you know, yes, I understand he's just doing his job, but I, I couldn't 
read any more of his articles or the comments that were being attached to them because the fans are getting very riled up and football's over now, the takeover's still going on and people have more time in their hands and Twitter becomes very toxic at that time. Um, so, you know, I think they just need to make a decision either way. I don't feel like they have an appetite to decline it, but um, the longer it rumbles on, the more impact that it has on on the club and the supporters and that might not matter to them but it should matter to a lot of other people a big welcome to you laura i'm going to come to you in a Hi, second yeah, yeah, don't worry we knew you were going to be late because you had to go. <laughs> uh we're going to come to you in a second sav just want to finish up finish up with you on that uh, that geopolitical question um you know what what's your views on politics and, and football and how it's affecting the takeover do you know, it's like you said earlier, I don't think that they wouldn't have done this preparation before they went through with the takeover. And I feel like they'll solve the problem. You see that Saudi are making changes, um, but then there'll be another problem. And it seems, I mean, it's now saying it's stalled indefinitely. No one said that the takeover has fallen through. So, I mean, is it going to be a case of if they make all the changes, then it will go through? Or, you know, is it completely indefinitely and that's it? No one, you know, they're not really saying anything. And I can kind of get it because it's sort of a legal issue. But it's really frustrating as a fan to watch that going on, especially with the news articles coming out and, you know, you're reading different things. It, it, it is really frustrating. And with, like you said, with the Premier League bringing out that tweet today, which I did see about mental health, you know, some people it has really affected and it's not right. Yeah, we're going to come to that uh, in a little bit. I'm going to introduce Laura first. Good evening, Laura. Hiya, you're right. Yeah, Sorry, I'm for, late. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on. Just a little bit, we asked the same question as I asked the, the other the other lady when the mm -hmm. game. Uh, when did you first start supporting Newcastle? What was your first game and who, who, were, your, who were your first heroes? Mine, I've kind of always been around it because my dad was such a big Newcastle fan, so he always... Yeah. You know, but I think my first matches must have been, I remember standing in old Gallagher. Yeah. So I, must, I think I was talking to my dad about it earlier. I think it must have been about 11 or, 11 or something like that. Yeah. And I just like remember I used to stand there, like all the noise was above your head. And <laughs> it was just, and I think about back to players, I think one probably the first player that I can remember is Andy Cole, because we just signed him. And I remember people talking, oh, he looks all right. He, he, might, he might do a good job for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> if you obviously did, so yeah. yeah, yeah, no, good stuff. I'm gonna ask it. I'm gonna ask Phil Davison's question before I get to the next issue, which I really wanted to cover tonight. And we did talk about it before we came on air. Uh, first of all, though, Phil Davison wants to know the question all the guests get on any matters what cans will the girls be drinking when we win the lottery? I think when we take when the takeover goes through. Now, we put a little wager, Samantha, that you'll be drinking Guinness. Well, I think he's I think he's stereotyping you because of your yeah. <laughs> so Sam, I'll start with you. Will you be on the Guinness? I don't like Guinness. Um <laughs> but they they do a lager called Hop House, so I'll I'll have a can of Hop House instead. A can of Hop House. I think it's sacrilege in Ireland to have Guinness in a can anyway, isn't it? Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> Sam, what cans will you be on? Uh, I think I touched on this last time. I don't really drink cans. I'm a vodka drinker. That's so right. So I'll definitely be on the vodka. You'll be on the vodka. Laura? May I say I don't drink cans? I'm not the vodka. I've just got kids. <laughs> so I'm stuck <laughs> on the pop. <laughs> on the pop. 
there'll be an image <laughs> for you then if you've got the candle. Forget about the cans, it'll be champagne for me because I'll be absolutely glad that it's over. I'll be going around the shop. To be fair, I live in a village, so they probably don't sell champagne in the shop. So I'll have to just go and get Lambrini or something. But just <laughs> <laughs> the closest thing to champagne, I'll be there straight for it. I think the last time I drank Lambrini was in a graveyard when I was 15, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, Katie, you're, you're doing Lee Clark tonight. I've seen you on the Rosie, I think. Are you? Uh, no, I'm being posh. It's Copperberg. Oh, it's Copperberg. Yeah. <laughs> <in for sure. laughs> you, you and Lee Clark would definitely get on very posh. Cool. I'm just playing glass. <laughs> All right, okay. So, so is that um, what you're doing? Copperberg and Cam. Yeah, Copperberg to start off with, and then anything I can get my hands on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I hope that answers your question, Phil. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, what we were talking about beforehand, and the reason that the idea of this this show came about, um, was just some of the the trolling that we've seen online recently. And um, as I've I've covered it a few times on on different shows and podcasts about, you know, Twitter in particular can be quite a nasty playground. I think we all we all understand it. Um, you know, it's a social media which is different from the other platform. Uh, you know, you you can have a, a pseudonym on there. You can be you can be down there as a group. Um, you have to have your own personal photograph on there, and you, know, you can be very much anonymous on Twitter, which is up to is up to the individual. I think that's right. I think um, I don't I don't find that an issue. However, what I do find an issue is you know when people start to target people and get quite personal to the point of cyberbullying and actually actually affecting them. And we've touched on mental health already with Sav, and um, I know Laura wants to speak about it tonight as well. Um, yeah. But I'll give my experiences. You know, the, the worst I've had in my time on Twitter was, you know, somebody actually going to the point of sending us an inbox and saying that he hoped my wife got raped because of what I said in a tweet about a Newcastle United, uh, a Newcastle United issue. Um, it's the worst I've had. Uh, you know, it did affect it because for every thousand, you know, messages that you get of support, you always tend to read that one nasty message and that does affect you. And it doesn't matter whether you've been on social media 10 minutes or 10 years, it's the same thing. And, and I've seen it hurt a lot of people. I've seen people this year go off Twitter and they'll not come back because of it. They're still on other forms of social media. Um, and, and it seems to be a targeted set of individuals who are targeting various Newcastle fans. At the moment, you know, Steve Howie's account has been suspended. Um, he can't get into it. He's been hacked. And now somebody set the Steve Howie account, which, which is quite obviously not him. It's down as a parody account, but it's actually now sending out, you know, horrendous links, you know, and targeting people who are his friends on his friends group. And it's it's becoming it's becoming something which is out of control amongst certain people who are either in our support or or the support another local team and they think it's funny. They must be of a certain age group and they must have a lot of spare time. Now I can cope with it now. I can block it and I move on move on from my life, but it's something we we just wanted to address, and I know we'll start with you, Kendall, because you know you, you know, I know you wanted to speak about it in particular. We'll come to you after that, and then to you, Laura. Kendall, tell us, you know, have you had an experience of this, and and you know what what's your take on the whole thing? Yeah, ever since I've been on Twitter, because I am so vocal about obviously football in general, especially Newcastle, but I follow football like I'm so passionate about football, so I am like a target of, um, you know, like 
obviously trolls online and things like that and I can handle it when it's football related because you know people just take things a bit too far sometimes and I can deal with that but it's when it gets personal so I got it was this time I think it was about this time last year um, and I got a lot of abuse surrounding my daughter who's only two years old um, and it was actually mostly racially motivated so my daughter's mixed race and um, I got a lot of, it was of a certain three group of people who I, I narrowed it down to in the end. Um, but uh, they were saying like that um, I should be depressed because my daughter's not black enough to be considered black and she's not white enough to be considered white. So that I had a reason to be depressed about that. Um, they were screenshotting my photos and writing like absolutely disgusting, like vile comments all over Twitter. It extended to Instagram, it extended to Facebook. And they were just like dredging up like just certain things about like my personal life that I don't even know how they found out because I'm not, I don't post like where I work or anything like that on Facebook just for that reason. Um, so that's when it got a bit too much for me because I'm, I would like to think I was quite a strong person most of the time. But obviously when it's starting to get personal and it's in, my daughter at the time was, she wasn't even one um, when this was all going on. So it's just like to bring an innocent baby into it for absolutely no reason, knowing that it would hurt me the most. I just, I don't understand why you would actually do that. Because that, like, that's just, to me, that's just evil. Like, I don't, I can, as I say, I can take it as football banter, like, that's fine. But, like, do you not have, like, a life outside of Twitter, outside of social media to go and do that? I just think it's absolutely vile and there's just no place for any bullying at all whatsoever. Yeah, Sav, I mean, you know, from your perspective, I think especially over this last few weeks, um, I've seen some stuff targeted at you. And I mean, that's why I invited you on the show originally, because, you know, I saw how well you dealt with it. But I also thought, you know, it, getting getting a female perspective on the show was really important. And, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your experiences on there and what you've had to deal with. Do you know, when I first came on, you know, actually, for the first little while, everyone was really lovely and I didn't have a problem. And then all of a sudden, these digs would start coming in that I was secretly a man. Um, which, to be fair, I didn't really you know that would make a difference anyway, to my opinion, even if I was a man. But, you know, then you feel a bit like, actually, I've got to prove myself. And I've got to admit, last week when I came on the show, I'd had a couple of drinks because I was so nervous about coming on. I just felt that I had to silence people because it was getting sort of quite personal. Um, and, you know, since that, it's sort of, it's escalated. Now I can't, now that I'm not, obviously not a man, um, people have got to say something different. And, you know, I've seen some quite disturbing stuff. Luckily, most of it's blocked. So I think they're actually wasting their time because I can't actually see it anymore. But, you know, I will say for everyone that's like that, the inboxes that I've had the past couple of days, um, and Katie, obviously, I've spoken to you as well. And, you know, it's it's quite humbling that people are there. You know, I came off of Twitter today, not because I was having some sort of mental breakdown. I just think that sometimes you've got to put self-care first, have a break. I've been on there a lot because, obviously, the football's been on. I thought today, just have a day off, you know, have a bit of a chill out and then come back into it. I'm, it's, it's not very nice. I don't understand why people do it. You know, and hopefully people will move on at some point. Yeah, well said. And um, yeah, I've had to do that during this whole process as well because you know, it just becomes too much. And I, 
I've never had to do that on social media, but I, I just genuinely took two weeks, you know, different different stages because it does just become too much. And, you know, you then get accused of looking for sympathy or looking for, you know, looking for a reaction. But, you know, it's best just to switch off your notifications and walk away. Laura, um, you know, you, you know, you, you again have, have had this kind of situation. We wanted to talk about mental health a little bit with you as well. So give us, give us, give us, um, give us your views on the Twitter thing first, and then let's talk a little bit about the mental health issue. I mean, the whole trolls thing. I mean, to be honest, I'm quite. This is really, really out of my comfort zone. I don't like putting myself out there at all, really. So most of my social media, like Facebook and Instagram, is like stuck to just family and friends. So it's like kind of a safe space there where I'd share like pictures of my kids and stuff. Whereas on I feel a little bit more nervous writing anything on Twitter, really, because you, cause you just don't know who's going to pick up on something. And it's just like, I think people don't really think about the person who's on, who's at the, like, at the other end of it, really. I mean, um, Sam Maximans posted something the other day. I think it was, like, a video that Anastasia, um, you know, the American politician posted. Yeah. And then I was said something positive about how she's such an inspiring woman and then someone I don't want to wear but they just wrote like twat on it underneath about it and I'm like I was like right you can either argue back with them or like get personal and insult them but I just I just like commented I was like oh why like why do you think that and then it kind of led to just like a discussion with him and like at the end he was just like um oh yeah I see your point but I guess you're just gonna have to agree to disagree and I think so. Although, like your first instinct sometimes is just to attack back. I think if you call people out on it sometimes and just say why, like why are you saying that, or or like kind of put the personal in there, like it, what, there's actually a person at the end of this that you're writing it about, just to try and make them think of it. Yeah. I mean, obviously it doesn't work with some people because some people are just wrongins, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think there's just no accountability with it. I think they just sometimes just do it without thinking, and when they do actually take the time to think about it, sometimes they can like talk themselves down and come round a bit. But before before you came on, we were we were all talking about the the mental health uh, issues that the takeover caused. Again, mm -hmm. something. Something I've been criticised about on Twitter for saying that um, you know it is having you know it is causing mental health issues, but I believe yeah. it is. I've had you know no less than a hundred people contact me over the space of four months, essentially saying you know I'm this is affecting my mental welfare. I'm off work. Uh, some people have been sacked. Some of them have furloughed. Um, you know, some people have lost people to COVID. Um, but in amongst all of this, you've got the ongoing stress of a takeover of your football club where, you know, you're either going to be the richest team in the world or you're going to have to put up with Mike Ashley for another 12 months and Steve Bruce's football. It's, mm. it's a nightmare, a nightmare situation for a lot of people. And, and I mean, have you seen Have you seen that kind of situation develop? I mean, I think it's just like, obviously, we live in such uncertain times and just the one constant through everyone's life, like the fans, has been Newcastle. It's always been there. It's a button... So you've got like all this craziness happening around you, and then there's always been the like you always go to a match on a Saturday. Yeah, like people have their routine, and then to have that taken away from them with the whole COVID thing, and then then on top of that, there's just the uncertainty of like no one has any idea what's going to be happening, and I think it's just that. So you you haven't really got your anything to steady it. Everything's just 
just so crazy at the minute. And I mean, it's it's much deep. It goes much deeper than football. I mean, the North East always been at the well, on like not always at the bottom of the pile when thought about. And this just seems to be like Newcastle just getting used again, just as the to further other people's agendas. And it's just it's not fair. I don't think it would happen anywhere else. But yeah. but yeah, and it just seems it's just it's kind of all luck, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's just no, like I... if it was going to happen to any club, it would be us. But just hoping that, mm-hmm. hoping that it'll all work out in the end, and just yeah, it seems to be quite a. The fans seem to be really supportive to each other. I think as well on the obviously you've got the odd trolls, but people like I read someone today saying that they were struggling, and then following that there was a lot of. Positivity. A lot of help and advice going to them, yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. It's good to hear. You know, there is there is some positivity out there. Samantha, yeah. I, I know you're quite active on Twitter amongst the support, and um, you know, it, it, it is it is it is a mental issue, really, because people, you know, people live and breathe Newcastle United. Absolutely. I mean, you know, football's supposed to be an enjoyable sport. It's your club's supposed to be your escape from reality. Um, it's been 13 years of austerity. We've just gone through some plastic football so that the season could restart and, and people are kind of holding on to the hope that finally Mike Ashley said, right, I'm going to go. That should be cause for celebration. Um, you know, the Northeast suffering. A few of the other clubs are having struggles as well. We don't want to go into those, but we're now in a situation where, um, you know, something that should be positive become a long drawn out saga we've got fans feeling the pinch of that that being supportive to each other others arguing with each other with no end in sight um so you know that escape that you had is is not there anymore and for a lot of people that's you know they're trying to find something to replace that with and it's difficult yeah, Katie, it's uh, it has been a stressful time for everybody, um, you know, with with the the pandemic and COVID. But to have a, a takeover running, you know, simultaneously with that, it's it, it's it's been painful for people, and it might, you know, might not feel as if you've you've been affected by it. But I'm sure I'm sure you have as well, you know. What's this horrid? I'm obviously further out of it because I don't live in the northeast anymore. But mm-hmm. it's literally just draining. Um, we've literally had to deal with. Um, the constant, my Ashley, I'm going to sell for Christ knows how long and the boring, mundane football, the digs from every other team. And it's just like you get a glimmer of hope and you cling on to it. And I've never, obviously down here, um, there's loads of different people that support different fans. And, and I've never come across really anyone that's more passionate than a, a Newcastle fan. And it's just literally just so tiring, constantly waiting listening to things trying to know what's the truth trying to know what's not the truth and it's just it's just draining i feel sorry there's a one of the boys at work he's watching tonight and he literally has to deal with me every single week on them on our work call going on and on and on about the takeover he's a rangers fan so he's buzzing that they got rid of the sports direct stuff and it's just the case of right it's my turn i want to have a go and it's just literally it's just so frustrating i just i I'm fed up with it now. Yeah, you can hear that. Jason asks if any uh, any of the girls ever played football, or you know, did you know, did you play football? Start with you, Sav. Have you pulled on the boots? 
No, and no innuendo meant, but if a ball flew at my face, I wouldn't like it. I'm more <laughs> onto the horse riding. <laughs> yeah, you're a big horse, horse rider. Yeah, Samantha, are you a footballer? Have you ever played? Yeah, I played when I was younger. Um, there was a lot of rivalry in the family, Liverpool fans, Tottenham fans, Man United fans. So um, I played, but as I said earlier, there weren't as many opportunities for girls kind of playing when I was growing up. Uh, yeah. And then I went to university and discovered alcohol, and that was the end of that. Were you a centre-forward? I was a left-back, right-footed left-back. Well, yeah, oh, well, yeah, that's no good for us. We've, we've, we've got Paul we've got, we've got Dumbledore. <laughs> Or, or Joe Linton. Yeah, that's where he likes to be. Yeah, Joe Linton should be left back in the change room. I'd certainly agree with that. <laughs> Laura, what about, what about you? Ever played football? Or? No, about as far as we went was taking penalty shots at me dad. <laughs> when we were younger, but that's about it. I tried to get the kids into football, but yeah. they're like just kicking the ball. They don't want it. They don't like tackling people or being tackled, so they're just like running around with the ball at their feet. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Kendall, what about you? No, I was when at my primary school, as I said before, I live in a village, so there was literally nine people in my primary school year. So there was um, three lads and six lasses. I was the only lass that was interested in football at all, so I used to play with them on a lunchtime, but because there wasn't even enough to fill a football team where we couldn't have a football team, so there was no point. But I've, I've kicked around with my brother at literally every level. He's played, like, every league level since he was six years old, like, up to the Northern League. So I've kicked around with him loads, but never in a team. I, I don't know if I'd be able to handle it. I think I'm too hot-tempered. Yeah. I'd be like, Sergio, I must, like, see you later. <laughs> Bye. Katie, what about you? Yeah, it all went wrong though. They they put me in goal, but I'm 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 only four foot eleven, so it's pointless. Um, and then I, mean, I used to play every single um, weekend when I lived in Spenick in the in the northeast. But as soon as I moved down here, um, went to an all girls school, demanded them to get a football team, and then realised just how bad I was at football, and ran away. <laughs> Brilliant, great stuff. Um, look, we're getting a lot of uh, we're getting a lot of messages like this. Uh, Dave, every great show tonight. Cheers, ladies and Steve, of course. Thank you, Jason. Nearly three hundred eighty viewers. Tonight. Amazing. Uh, hit the like button, people, which is nice. Uh, John Allen says, "Great show as always. Stay positive on the takeover. None of the people involved have commented yet. If it was a flat no, we would have already known it will happen already." It would have happened already. Dave Harrison says, "Fantastic show tonight, Steve. You must have the ladies back on." And yeah, I mean, I'm going to leave it and leave it up to you, uh, girls, because to, to be honest, we had a discussion before, and I'd love to have you back on. And, and I think a Monday night would be good for, for for me. And if it's up, you know, if you're up for it and you want to come back on, I think you know next next week we're we're looking at doing season reviews and stuff like that. So if you'd like to come on, we could talk about various things. And, Look, the takeover is going to be running and running. I think so. I don't think we're ever going to. Uh, I don't think we're going to sh we'll struggle for content. So if you're up for coming back on next week, I'd be more than happy to have you on. Love that. Sounds good. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, good stuff. Excellent. Well, that's the end of the show tonight. I've got Liam Kennedy from the Shields Gazette on tomorrow. I know there's a lot of people asking us about Liam Kennedy's quotes tonight. Asking how does he know so much about the takeover? Um, yes, Liam Kennedy will be joining me six till seven tomorrow. Uh, and uh, we will be back on uh, Wednesday 
night as well. But the Jets will be coming for Wednesday. And I've got Peter Jackson from 90. He was played in 1985 in Newcastle United. He's coming on on Thursday. But for now, Katie, Kendall, Laura, Samantha, and Saab, thanks very much for coming on. Saab, look forward to seeing you on Friday night with uh, with Neil and yep. Steve. If you're up for that, that would be great. But thanks for coming on, ladies. Have a good night. And I'll see you all next Monday. Thank you. Night. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.